This is episode number 144 of the Rising Man podcast with Ryan Yukome. Each one of us needs to discover the proper balance between the masculine and feminine energies, between the active and the receptive. Welcome back, Rising Man fam. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy and amazing life to drop in here with the Rising Man community. My name is Jedi Azuma. I am the founder of the Rising Man movement and your host for today. As you listen to this podcast a week from the day that I'm recording this introduction, I will be out in Death Valley with a group of eight men and three other guides leading men through a four-day ceremonial vision fast to mark the transition from boyhood into manhood. And I share that here today because it's the cornerstone of our mission to initiate an entire generation of men into powerful purpose and leadership so that we can all be the men that the next future generations need us to be. And I share that because I think it's important to remind you, wherever you're listening in from, whatever corner of the world that you're in in this moment, that there's men getting together, really doing this work, not just talking about it, actually assembling, supporting each other, walking across that threshold and stepping into the fire to challenge ourselves, to prepare ourselves, to hone our skills and our attention and our instincts so that we can be those men we know we can be. And I share that because... I ask you for your thoughts, for your prayers, for these men, for us being out there. We'll be out there for eight days all together. Four of those days, the men will be fasting from food and spending time on their own in solitude out in the wilderness with nothing to distract them, only able to tune into that inner voice of truth. And so I share this with you so that we can keep bringing this community together and bring some reality to the words that you hear in your headphones or on your car speakers each and every week. And also to invite you to join us on our next Compass adventure. We'll be going out for another round in the spring and fall of 2021. So if that's something that calls to you, a ceremonial fast to mark your transition from boyhood into manhood and to clarify your purpose, what you came here to do in this life, then check us out at risingman.org and you can apply today to be a part of our next crew. All right, my guest for today's episode is Ryan Yukome. He is an internationally recognized expert in the field of personal transformation. Over the past decade, Ryan has helped thousands of entrepreneurs with a spiritual approach for getting out of their own way to unleash their greatest purpose. Ryan is a spiritual entrepreneur, transformation coach, nature lover, and the host of the Soul Wealth Podcast. In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the importance of having a balanced masculine and feminine side to ourselves, even men. I shared about my resistances to embracing femininity and why it's important for us to make a distinction between female, woman, and the word feminine. We gave a refined definition to the polarity of masculine and feminine. Ryan, a new father, also discussed the challenges of bringing polarity into his relationship with his partner and how he's learned to rely on his ability to go in and out of masculine feminine spaces for his family and business. Lastly, we dove into the power of having strong purpose and how being driven towards a target can carry us through any storm. Without further ado, Ryan Yukome. Okay, Rising Man family, got Ryan Yokome up here coming in live from Vancouver, Canada. How you doing today, my bro? Doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, honored to have you on the show and congratulations. Uh, new first time father here. I always love to acknowledge the daddies coming on here, man. Yeah. How's the journey been? What's the biggest, what, I tell you what, what's the most oh, unexpected thing that you've learned about fatherhood up to this point? Jeez, takes a lot of time and patience. A lot, a lot more than I thought. And you know, what's the funny thing is, is we were both in agreement that we wanted to have our first child. I think me a little bit more, I wanted to be a dad now for the last about four years. And I didn't realize the amount of time it takes, you know, not just for their basic human needs, but for emotionally, spiritually being there for my daughter, Noah, which is of course joyful. But when you run your own business from home and then you have your wife at home, your daughter at home, your business at home, it can be a lot some days. Totally. Uh, The patience, patience was my biggest lesson still is with having two kids now. And 
what I found is that it requires more patience than you actually have. <laughs> so there's, there's like a, there's like a human humility element that has to come into the picture too of, of a big journey for me has just been in self, forgiving myself for yeah. not being able to be on all the time and in my best self as a husband and as a father in that dynamic. Well, I don't know if you guys, like, I don't know if you had this prior, we, I mean, we get into it, but we had, my wife and I had a lot of freedom, like time freedom before this. So we, cause we've been building businesses for the last 12, 13 years and we've traveled all around the world and done some amazing things. And so we pretty much, the only responsibility we had was our dog Hudson. We have a 14 year old wiener dog, but you know, we have a dog sitter that watches him so we could travel whenever. And then when Noah came, so it's funny how everything like God's timing works because she got pregnant October the 8th, my wife, and then COVID happened, what, like April, March, April. And then all the lockdowns happened. We couldn't travel. We were running retreats for our business. Like multiple, like last 2019, I think we ran five or six retreats in that year, like around the world and then Canada, US. And then COVID happens. It's like everything gets shut down. She's pregnant. She gives birth in July. And we end up having this like time where we can't travel. And it worked out perfect because we were able to spend time with her. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how it happens that way. Man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. So we're adjusting, but we're finally getting that seven to nine hours of sleep now, which is nice. But I'll tell you what my biggest lesson has been is because we've had so much freedom, it's been to notice where like I'm putting my needs before my daughters or before my wife's because I could before because we had just had so much time to do it. But now it's like, she needs me. That needs to come. You know what it's like to be a dad. That needs to come first. She needs a diaper change. She needs to be fed, like whatever. So that's been an adjustment for me to not just think in the terms of selfish me and my own needs, but what's best for the whole family now. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that, because I find that what I thought I needed before my kids were born turned into more of the wants, desires category would be nice if I could dot, dot, dot. There's still some baseline needs that if they're not in place, then there's no way I can be the husband or the father that I want to be. So do you have like a distinction between those things that came to light? Yeah, totally. Or I'd go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure like working out, right? Like you probably work out every day, I would imagine. Right. So that's a priority to me. After this, I'm going to be going for, I do triathlons. I'm going to be going for a long ride. And so these things are like important to me because they actually help me become a better man, deeper, deeper in my masculinity to contribute. Otherwise I'm like, I feel like my head's going to explode because there's just so much feminine energy in the house, man. (laughs) So yes. Totally. (laughs) So I guess what I'm hearing is that what you thought was a need before wasn't actually one of those essential core needs that you had that you were now able to put your family's needs ahead of those things. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. So my values and priorities on a personal level were pretty aligned, you know, as far as what I would do with my, my habits and my time and how that related to things I value, like, you know, my spiritual connection, freedom, family, that they were pretty good. What I noticed where I was actually a little bit out of alignment was the business. Because I was devoting so much time into business that I realized there were certain things that I was doing just because it would fill time. I enjoyed them, but it wasn't necessarily needed to be done. And now that Noah's in our life, my daughter, it's like, okay, I, I'm noticing, and this happened when Chris was pregnant, excuse me, I'm noticing certain things I was doing, just, I don't have a desire to do them anymore. You know, is that what you're kind of getting at? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Certain things that I thought I needed to do all the time, like before my kids were born, but when it was just my wife and I, I would wake up and I would have the first hour and a half of my day just for myself. I would meditate, I would exercise, I I would do all the things I wanted to do. And now I go on these podcasts, right? And especially the single folks without kids, they're like, well, what's your morning routine look like? I'm like, man, I got kids. (laughs) You really want to know my morning routine? I wake up to one of my kids slapping me in the face, begging for breakfast. And then I go downstairs and I make coffee while I'm making them breakfast. And that's my meditation is trying to keep my cool while all these requests are coming in from these little people. So I guess I was asking about that and what that transformation has been like for you. (laughs) So we're not quite there yet because she can't even talk, but as soon as she starts talking and needing things, I'm sure we're going to be there. But the same thing, I mean, we get up, it depends on her schedule at night. And then my practice now is exactly what you're saying. It's how do I stay present? Like I'll give you a a real life situation. So we were coming back from Costco yesterday and 
she's going through a leap. So, you know, she's adjusting and her senses are coming and all this stuff. And she was just screaming in the backseat of the car, like, like top of her lungs. Right. And so I don't know if this happens to you, but when I'm driving and she's screaming, you're trapped in a car with her. And then my wife's in the backseat trying to take care of her, help her. It's like you can feel the consciousness draining out of your body. Like it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like any form of being able to be present is gone. <laughs> so, oh man, I know exactly what you mean. So I'm in there and I'm like, you know, practicing like, cause I'm in a course right now with David Data, you know, way of superior man, I'm sure you know his work and he talks about breathing through the balls. So I'm practicing breathing through the balls and down the spine and trying to stay present. It's, it's, that's my practice now. It's not sitting in silence and meditation for an hour. Right, right, right. Tuning into the meta energy. It's like, no, I'm just trying not to kill my kids right now while they're yelling at me. (laughs) And I mean, it's actually a scientific thing. I'll bring it to this and then we'll loop back around to what we wanted to talk about today. But one thing I learned recently that helped me out a lot is that apparently the limbic system in our brains for parents, it swells and it becomes bigger when you have children because that area of your brain needs to be more sensitive to assess threat and be more in that fight or flight response for taking care of small people. The problem is, is that limbic part of our brain never contracts back down, which I wish they would have told me before I became a parent, just so I knew that that was coming. (laughs) But it's that feeling of always being on alert. My wife and I were talking about it last week with friends who also have kids that we just feel more anxious than we ever were before we had kids. Yeah, me too. There's no amount of meditation or breathing that we can do that gets us back to feeling like we were before. So yeah, that fact helped me out a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, well, something actually changed. Yeah, I did not yeah. know that, but that makes a lot of sense. I was just saying to my wife, Chris, that the last few nights I've been clenching my jaw when I was sleeping. And I'm like, I never do this. I'll wake up with headaches. I'm like, where is this even coming from? You know, prior to kids, I felt really centered, peaceful, connected, you know, I'd have my rituals, meditation, all those sorts of stuff. And now what you're saying makes a lot of sense that we're just kicking in to, you know, take care of the kid, take care of the little one. Yeah. Yeah. Got to make sure they put that on the brochure next time they print it up on, uh, do you want to be a parent? <laughs> be be oh ready for gosh. these things. <laughs> yeah. But it's, what's interesting about this, I don't know if this happened to you, but I, like I've been in business for quite a while, like I was saying, 12, 13 years. And then I, how old was I? 16 I think I was 16. I dropped out of high school because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then I started my own business in construction when I was 18, 19, like early, early 19 ish. And man, it's like, it's so crazy because you think you're, you're progressing towards your purpose. Like I always was. And then you kind of reach this point where we were doing really well in business. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've got this figured out. And then Noah, our daughter came into the picture and it's just another fucking level, man. Like, it's like, you think you've got your shit together until you have a kid. And I would imagine you have two. I would imagine it's kind of the same. The coming, I'd be curious, the second one coming in, if that made a difference for you. Yeah. I mean, that's 100% accurate for us, man, is that having another human being who is dependent on you come in, just it changes everything like 180 degrees having uh, what we learned about our second child is that one plus one actually equals four. <laughs> so <laughs> at least in our case, you know, it's, it's, it's extra for a while. And then, you know, then it, then it gets better. It's not yeah. all bad. It's yeah, not, yeah. I mean, I'm making it sound a lot worse than it is, but it's, it's just the reality, man. My wife and I both started businesses when our son was less than a year old and started wow. this whole entrepreneurial path. So what, challenging, you, what were you guys doing? Were you coaching? Yeah, I was coaching and I was starting Rising Man and I was starting to hone in everything that I'm doing here in this space, bringing men out for wilderness rites of passage and going in that direction. And my wife had her business as a leadership coach. And then she, when she had our son and she got back to work, she was leveraging her skill set towards mothers and bringing the same leadership principles towards motherhood. So we were both firing on all cylinders and it was really interesting, man, because, you know, we started to compete for time as the resource and really having a hard time figuring out how to be on the same team because we both had our child that we shared together. And then we both had like our stepchildren that were our businesses that we were trying to learn how to really love and support the other person's business and venture. So it was, it was, yeah, it was a big wow. journey. And my son's five now. So we've been really in that wow. for the past five years. Wow. That's a big deal to start businesses for both of you guys to start businesses when your child is one. Like, yeah, not, not highly recommended. <laughs> that's a lot to take on. Yeah, so yeah. like, so we had, I knew we were going to become parents, like I said, for about four years, even before that. And so my goal was to get our business set up to a point where I originally had wanted it at seven figures. We got it up to really strong multiple six figures. 
and then like keep it keep it good where I had still the time freedom to be able to be with Noah. So we've done that. But what's what's interesting with having her in the picture now is dude, business just everything picked up. Like everything, like kids bring this whole other energy of like people want to be around that energy, I guess. I don't know. But there's also a level where I felt I grew as a man, you know, having a daughter, I don't know if it's different. We don't have a son, but I don't know if you know this, but like I was telling you before when we're on air is that before we're recording. So when I started coaching was 2014 and we had just come out of finishing doing well with a network marketing company. And I wanted to like grow my own business, my own brand. And I felt I had like limitations with the network marketing company because it wasn't duplicatable what I was doing. So I went like, I want my creative outlet to just like flow. Like, let's just get it out to the world and serve people. So 2014, I started coaching and I didn't know this was going to happen, but the only people who were signing up with me were women. And I'm like, what is going on here? Right? So I just started working with women and now I work with many men, but now it's to the point where I think I've probably done like seven to probably 7,000, 8,000 hours of coaching calls somewhere in that range, mostly with women. And so it's really cool because I kind of see how that has served me to be with my wife and understand her better and our relationship and communicate better. But then also my daughter who to understand like her emotions and her energy and how to communicate with her and not just try to solve her and, you know, like get her to stop crying. Like that's just the way she's expressing herself. So that's been priceless for me to understand the feminine, not master the feminine. I don't think anyone's mastered. <laughs> I don't think you can master the feminine. <laughs> yeah. You, you would be, you would be way past seven figures if you figured that one out. And everyone's trying to solve that problem. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's that's actually a great leverage point, man, because the conversation of masculine, feminine, purpose, that's really what we decided we were going to boil it into today. And before we start going in that direction, I want to ask you what I ask every guest I have on here. And that is, what is the difference for you between a boy and a man? Hmm. I almost feel like a man has graduated from being a boy, so to speak. This is a great question. Because for a long time, I, I, I felt like a boy for a long time really struggled with responsibility, avoided things, struggled to get structure up or like overly emotional with stuff. I grew up with two older sisters too. So I was the youngest of two girls, the two siblings. I think there's value to be able as a man to be able to connect to our inner boy, to our inner inner child. I think there's a lot of value in that because there's a lot of guys who are way too fucking serious and they, they need to like come back to their five-year-old boy. But then there's a lot of guys that are just totally afraid of commitment and responsibility and they need to grow in their masculinity and embody like a deeper consciousness and deeper presence and a deeper commitment to their purpose too as well. Um, so I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that just came through. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then, you said you felt like you were a boy for a long time. When do you feel like you crossed that threshold into manhood? You know, to be honest, you honest, I don't think it was until about three years ago when I proposed to my now wife. You know, we, I don't think you know this about us, but we were together for eight, 17, 17 years before we got engaged. Like we were just boyfriend and girlfriend forever. And like I had commitment issues. She had commitment issues. We were sort of in this like non-evolving relationship that wasn't really going anywhere but we were just there. We had good connection. The thing is the relationship wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just good. Like we were compatible, but there was no polarity. There was no intimacy on a deep level. And there was no me stepping up to the plate kind of thing. So we were just kind of in limbo. And then things, I remember when I, I reached out to a friend of ours, she's a jeweler. And I said, I need a engagement ring. I'm ready to propose to Chris. And she's been friends with Chris for years and she's like freaking out. So I ended up, we went to Maui and it was my dad's 70th birthday. So my whole family went out there and I, I brought the wedding ring and I proposed out in Maui. And that, I remember that was such a intimate moment with her and I that it catapulted us to then get married in San Diego and then it catapulted us to have a baby now, Noah, and then everything in business and purpose elevated too. So it's like, that was, to me, that was the moment where I sort of stepped more into the masculine directional role. Hmm. That's such a cool reflection point to be able to look back and see if you can really identify that, that moment that you crossed over. Because 
in my belief system, I think there's there's boy, there's man, and then there's becoming man, which is kind of this like you know this cloudy space that overlaps the two spaces. And like you said, I, I don't I don't also think that the boy ever really leaves us. If when it does, that's a separate set of problems. But for me, without that ceremony, without that moment or experience or event where we actually declare that we're stepping into our manhood, that we're stepping into adulthood, that we're turning face forward into service, then how do we really know? And that's that's the question I always love hearing different answers to because so many of us don't really have a solid experience of declaring that once and for all. Yeah. And I agree with that. And I think too, um, there's a lot of men who are men, but they're not conscious in what they're doing or how they're doing it. They're not present. And there's like mostly in my work in working with men and then also women, it's all linked to trauma. Like something happened, whether it's childhood or could even be past lives or whatever, but something, you know, happened for them that changed the course of who they are. It's really, it's really messed up, man. Like a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I would look at my life and why do I even do, like, why do I make these choices in life that are just like self-sabotaging my life? So the thing, like I was saying, like, I don't know about you, but the moons like totally affect me. They're always different, like new moon, full moon, all that stuff. So I always find that if I'm getting too emotional and I'm very, like, I've done a lot of emotional work for trauma work on myself, but if I'm getting too emotional, I'm usually too in the feminine. Like I'm like, whoever's the emotional mess is in the feminine. Like you probably know this with your wife. Like one of you guys is an emotional mess when the kids are going off and one's structured. It's yeah. always the case, yeah. right? It's not always her. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not always her. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. So sometimes I'm the emotional mess and I'm like, you know, Chris is structured or in the business, I'm the emotional mess. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like I need to structure up here and step up in my masculinity. But to me, the stepping up is not necessarily like doing more or getting, it's coming back to consciousness and being present and noticing your breath and noticing your surroundings and noticing like ultimately like my purpose on this planet is to awaken people and whatever that looks like for them. But ultimately it's noticing how, how do my actions, how do my choices, how, who I'm choosing to be like in this moment affect everyone around me. How does that affect my daughter, my wife, you, people listening, our clients? Like how does that affect everyone based on who I'm choosing to be or the choices I'm making in life, whether that's for empowerment or disempowerment? That's to me, when you kind of reach that place, you start to get a little bit closer to to why you came to this planet. Agreed, man. Agreed. And I want to hone in on that word purpose because I agree. I think that in those moments where I'm off the grid emotionally, I'm just like somewhere else and my my limbic brain is firing off, my ego's going crazy. I'm not thinking about my higher purpose in that moment. And I equate like you do with consciousness and presence with purpose. When I'm able to keep that mountain peak that I'm aiming towards in my mind, in my clear focus and my attention, then my actions then follow suit with where I want to go. And when I'm not, when I'm completely distracted or off center, off focus, then that's when the mess emerges. So when we're talking about purpose, how do you define purpose? What is your operating understanding of it? Mm-hmm. To me, that's uh, the purpose is who you are. It's not what you do. It's the person you're choosing to be. I've had a lot of different sort of careers in my life as businesses, but at this stage of my life right now, I can feel I'm the closest I've ever been to being who I truly am on a soul level. And there's a lot of room for, I'm only 39, so there's a lot of room for growth, obviously. But to me, that's that's your purpose. It doesn't matter. Like, There's value being valuable in any situation. So you can be valuable in any situation if you know who you are. If you don't know who the fuck you are, it's going to be pretty hard to figure out your purpose. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that is a prerequisite is knowing yeah. who you are or what you'll... A lot of times I say what you're willing to stand for, your values, your virtues. What will you fight for in this world? And I know I didn't know what that was truly until I went out into the unknown, until I went out and traveled and got away from all of the familiar, because a lot of the things that I thought mattered started to melt away when I was out of my comfort zone. It's kind of like just melting everything down to its fundamental parts. And that was when I really saw who I was. And it wasn't until that moment, because the whole reason I went on that journey in the first place was because I was like, well, what is my life for? What is my purpose here? I have a I have a doctorate degree in physical therapy. I've got a great job, great community of friends, and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing when I wake up every day. Wow. So I went out on that journey. I figured out who I was, what I stood for, and then purpose began to emerge. It was like kind of like the So what what was the turning point? Was it a series of events or was there a moment, ceremony or something? 
that you well there was a couple of there was a relationship that i was in that was really abusive that i just even i could see what in the hell am i doing and all my friends are like yeah what the hell are you doing and and i couldn't help myself right i was so dependent on trying to fix her and validating myself by being in that sort of angel rescuing her dynamic on top of that, I also got arrested for smoking weed in public and having a weapon on me. And so I was like, all these things coming together. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I, up at that point, I hadn't even gotten had detention when I was in school. Wow, so that wow. was like way out of character. And I said, I got to shake it up and get out of here. So I went out and traveled. And that was when I really got a sense of who I was and, and what I stood for. What's what what's left when the pieces of my identity that I put on every day for everybody so that they'll like me and keep accepting me are gone. I figured out who that guy was. And then it was, it became more simple. It's like, oh, I just be this man. And more things become clear to me as I walk my path. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. You strip away all the insecurities and illusions and all that kinds of stuff. And then you get to do what I call your home frequency. It's just, it's just who you are. It's pretty liberating. Hey, when you don't really care what other people think of you. Like, oh, totally, man. Yeah. And and that, uh, that also wasn't like, waking up one day and all of a sudden I didn't care what people thought about me. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like an ever evolving process. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, as you step more and more out of your comfort zone, you give up more and more control. Like you're asked to play bigger. Like there's just levels to it. I know a business purpose every time, like I spoke on stage in Palm Springs in front of 1100 people. And I mean, we've spoken in, in front of 10,000 people before, but there's like levels you go through that you're being asked to step in and do something greater. And you just kind of got to, surrender. Like when you reached out and you're like, Hey man, do you want to do pot? I'm going to have you on my podcast, the soul wealth podcast. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do podcast swap. I'd be, there'd be a time where I'd be like, I can't do that. You know, I can't, I can't, I just can't like my insecurities would be too strong, but now it's like this act of just, I mean, I think everyone could live their purpose if they just got out of their own fucking way and just, you know, trusted. Well, and I think also my idea of what purpose was back then is completely different than what it is now. It's much more congruent with what you were saying. It's a being, not a doing. And I, what I was looking for at that point in time, I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate. I was looking for the thing that I would do that I could chisel into stone and never have to think about this again. And then I could just <laughs> chug away at it for the next 70 to 80 years and, yeah. and call it good. But, you know, and I kind of bring vision and purpose into the same conversation. I thought that I would just land on one fixed thing and then just set my sights on that forever and never have to revisit that again, where for me, it's been actually quite the opposite. So I wonder if you had a similar realization yourself. Yeah, it's most of my day is spent doing, I don't know if you want to call it work, but checking in with myself, so to speak, and how am I in alignment or am I drifting? Am I not conscious? Am I living my greatest purpose? Am I being that person? Like a lot of it is a very moment to moment process because all men drift. We just do, you know, and then I've got my wife to like, um, you're not listening to me. (laughs) Or the other day I was, I was cooking breakfast and I was making eggs and I took the eggs out of the, I had a lot on my mind with business. I took the eggs out of the fridge, put them on the counter, put the pot on the stove, turned it on. And then I walked back, grabbed the eggs before I cracked them and got them started. I put the eggs back in the fridge and I'm like, well, what am I doing? I didn't even like crack an egg. I'm putting them back in the fridge again. So there's moments where I just go unconscious. But I will say, I don't know if you've experienced this. I was actually going to ask you this when I had this thought is where I actually found my purpose was, I won't go too deep into this, but was near death experience. That was the moment me and, and my wife, we were girlfriend, boyfriend at the time, but we were like, this was 2011. And we were just like done. Like we had tried to grow businesses, failed, failed, failed everything. And then we were like financially broke, spiritually depleted, like everything was done. And I was done. Like I was, I had walked out to a bridge to jump off a bridge. It was just like five lane highway. And at the time they didn't have like high fences. So you could literally just like, this was raining. It was like 8 PM at night or something like that. And I remember walking, I was just spiritually broken. And I walked up to the railing and I looked over the edge because it was so dark out. You could see the ocean waves underneath moving and they were like shimmering with the light. And I I remember I had like one leg up and I thought all I have to do is just like lean forward and that's it. Like all the pain, all the financial pain, all the fighting in our relationship, it's all done. I don't have to deal with it anymore. And I was just like, I shit you not, Matt. I was just about to lean forward. And as I was doing it, this crazy white light came in front of me and actually pushed my body back onto the bridge. And it just, this voice just said to me, keep going. Your life is about to change. 
And I just, I got, I mean, I get goosebumps now. Yeah, dude. And I stepped back and I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I walked off the bridge and it was literally two weeks later, I got a call from a friend for that network marketing company we were in. And she said, I want to work with you in this company. And we took our last 600 bucks and we just ran with it. And we ended up building a multiple six figure business with them. It completely changed our life. And then I rolled into coaching, which is what I'm doing now with my purpose the last six years. And that all started, all of this started from that moment where I had, I was like a second away from killing myself. That's incredible, man. First of all, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that's, that's a very vulnerable thing to share. And, and also, I've heard stories like that before. That was not my doorway into understanding my purpose. But similarly, I had a couple of different moments where I'd exhausted all of my reserves of doing what I thought I could do. What feels to me like the only thing beyond what I was capable of was surrender. Like, hey, I've done everything I could now. I've just got to surrender. And that what feels to me metaphorically like leaning over and going over the edge of the bridge was like that moment of faith that, Hey, I'm just going to trust in something that's outside of me for a minute. Just, just give it over to that. And then letting, you know, kind of taking all that control away from me and letting spirit, whatever you want to call it, fill in the blank, just letting me know that I'm not alone. And I feel like that that's what has given me trust and faith and confidence to keep walking that path of purpose. Cause most of the time I find that following my purpose is completely illogical. There's not a lot of logic to it. You know, if I, if I tried to study it out and strategize it in my mind, it just, it just doesn't compute that way. Yeah. It's a total act of surrender into each moment. But I think to get to that point, you kind of have to like burn through your karma. And there's these moments where you're faced with a choice. So as an example, like when I came off that bridge and then two weeks later, a friend of ours offered this, this opportunity there's $600 we had, we had a choice to pay rent or sign up for the business. I chose to sign up for the business, made money, then got the rent covered, but I could have just kept the money and just paid the rent and played it safe. So what I've noticed in, in at least myself stepping deeper into my purpose, it takes a certain level of risk or surrender to trust like, Hey, this is the higher path. And usually it's met with resistance. Like usually there's, there's not like, living your purpose isn't this fucking blissful experience all the time. It's, it's not like, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of days where like, I don't feel like doing stuff in business or I'm uncomfortable or I'm scared or I'm nervous or I'm worried if this thing's going to work out or whatever. And I just go into that and I feel it and I still do it. I don't always do it because like the fear overtakes me, but there's times where, yeah, it's like, let's meet the resistance and move through it. Right. Which in my journey, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm just not in my head because yeah, dude, it's not everything that they make it out to be. You know, I imagined living a purposeful life before it felt like fulfillment every day with sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. And, you know, there's like this happy music playing in the background all the time. And it's definitely not that experience, right? There's those moments that polarize that and balance it out. But the constant through it for me is that even in those hard moments, even in those really challenging moments where I might doubt what I'm doing and and start to question what I'm doing and why I'm there, there's still that force, like almost like the one that pushed you back onto the bridge that says, "Ah, just, just keep leaning into it, right? Just, just keep leaning into that thing. I've never gotten to a point where I was like, nope, that's it. There's no way I can do this anymore because the idea of not walking that path is what I just can't imagine doing it. I can't imagine not showing up and serving in this capacity anymore and showing up to lead men and initiate men into adulthood. So we have a generation of leaders that can lead these future generations that are coming up now. I I couldn't imagine not showing up for that every day. Yeah. And that's when you know you're living your purpose. Like, I don't know if this happens, you know, and there's probably times where you're stretched with being a parent and then business and stuff. Like, do you ever find you're like, okay, I kind of need time, like a space yeah. Alone. Often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alone. <definitely. laughs> yeah. I, I, go, I go through the same thing. And even if I'm tired or life has been busy, it always happens when I take time to just rest, like not sleep, but actually like rest for a few days, creativity comes back. And then it just, something's birthing through me to like create and give and create a podcast or whatever it is. That is like so sourced from a deep place that once I'm recharged again, it just starts coming through. And it can't be stopped. Yeah, that's surrender. There's um, you ever heard of the quote from Michael Bernard Backwith? He says that the pain will push you until the vision pulls you. Yes, I heard. Yeah, that. I love that. To me, that's an epitome of living your purpose because the vision pulls you. I was actually listening to uh, there's a training at David Data, and he was talking about how 
if you have a never ending to-do list, you're not living your deepest purpose. I'm like, that's so fucking true, man. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't that true? Like when you're really in your purpose, you're in a flow. It's not like, oh, I got to get all this shit done and then I'm going to feel good once it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good pivot point to talk about masculine and feminine. I'm curious to hear what, what is your definition or distinction between the two? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's an energy. Definitely. We play out with a gender for sure, but for the most part, it's, it's an energy. And like I was saying earlier, the emotional side, then that's kind of like the feminine's domain, but then the more structured directional side is the masculine side of things. Like if I look at my wife, why, if you look at most guys, most men are masculine, caresses, and most of us in relationship lead towards wanting like nothing going on, like, like just calm, <laughs> like for the most part, my wife, who's feminine and very feminine at that, she finds that so boring. She wants fun, adventure, excitement. She wants something like, if I, the other day I was walking by and I don't know if you've ever done this. We have an air conditioning unit and then we have also a, like just a fan, a normal fan and it plugs into the wall and I was walking by and I didn't notice the cord and I tripped over the cord, pulled the cord out of the wall. The fan tumbled. I tumbled and landed on the floor. My wife is laughing her ass off because she's, she's like, so, she's so identified in the feminine. It's all movement life. You know, so typically like one person in a relationship is all about fun and excitement. And the other person is kind of about calm and nothingness. So at the end of the day, to me, the, the masculine side of us as men, at least I'll say is to me, it's about directionality. It's about having a purpose. It's about having a vision, having strength, you know, not just physical strength, but emotional, spiritual, mental strength. And it's knowing what you want out of your life and within your life and how you can serve others to your highest degree. I think the feminine in men, at least, is sort of the creative, free-flowing, open side. Like, you know what I mean? The part of us that is just, it's sort of like this week is my flex week. So I don't work the last week of the month. We were talking about that. I don't like to typically put things on my calendar. I want to just kind of flow. And that's, to me, that's the side of, of the man who's just like no commitment, no responsibility, but there's pleasure in that. Mm-hmm. It makes a ton of sense, man. And I, I love asking this question because even before I started this podcast, I was in this question of what does it mean to be a man? I was involved in men's circles and there was a high emphasis on masculinity, which I was really drawn to because I, I needed something to balance out that other part of me that always felt like I was out of control with my emotions and kind of just leading this emotional life. And so I really, I really went down that path for a while, just really dialing in my masculinity, plans, strategy, being impeccable with my word, all these things that are very masculine. And I loved it. It made so much sense. It's like, oh yeah, data points and (laughs) I've always (laughs) been good at that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I turned off this other part of myself, you know, and my wife even reflected that to me recently. She's like, when we met, the word that comes to mind is feminine. You were a poet. You were so romantic. You were spontaneous. And I shut it all off when, because we, we met, we got engaged within a year. We got married a year after that and then had got pregnant three months later. So my provider just went and exploded. And I started doing everything the way I saw my dad do it. When my wife said that to me, it reminded me of what my mom told me throughout a lot of my life. She's like, oh, your dad used to be so romantic. He used to be so spontaneous. And I was like, damn okay, I must be missing something here. And it it actually, I had to reprogram my mind a little bit to start to accept or redefine what feminine was and what that actually meant because there was a part of me that started to resist that because I didn't want to go back to having a life that was led by emotions, but I also wanted to tap back into my creativity and I didn't want to just be this, you know, stifling, stuffy curmudgeon all the time. I wanted to be joyful and light and playful and humorous but guys I was spending time with weren't putting that in the feminine category. That was just another dimension of being a man, which mm. at that point it's just semantics to me, but yeah. I find that it, <laughs> it, it works to define it into those, into masculine, feminine or fire and water, however you choose to look at it, but recognizing that without certain qualities or unexpressed aspects of ourselves, we're incomplete. Yes. And there's something that's always going to be lacking. Yeah. Wow. So how do you define masculine and feminine? very similar to you, especially now, you know, and I think before the creativity, the flow, even now I'm catching myself to say the word flow goes against this programming I have that, well, no, I'm, I'm impeccable with my time. I show up on time for things. Right. Yeah. To be in flow is like this, oh, I'll, I'll get there when I get there <laughs> mentality <laughs> that yeah. I'm so resistant to. And so I think it's just, I think it's just not being so attached to one side or the other. And I wouldn't be able to continue to be 
a businessman, an entrepreneur, a leader, if I didn't have that creative visionary part of myself and that that it doesn't really matter. We can't subscribe these qualities to gender anymore, you know, especially in a world where there's so many different genders now. It's not A or B. There's there's so many that you know, male, female is almost irrelevant at this point. Right. And so subscribing man to masculine woman and feminine and treating them synonymously, it really doesn't serve us anymore. And I see that that's, I'm starting to see that that's the break that's happening in this generation, you know, cause it, the conversation of manhood, masculinity, femininity, et cetera, it's, it's more along the lines of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such an energy and you're, it's a really good point too, is, is, you know, I was always taught from my teachers and mentors that the universe didn't create any spare parts and we're all of it, you know, and I'm really even cautious of things like human design because I'm a projector, you know, in Meyer breaks to not get too fixed into identifying yourself with something because it kind of becomes your reality, you know, versus how do I embody everything like, oh, you know, I don't like that thing. Well, what if I was to lean into it and explore it? and see, see what, what's there for me, but you're a good point. So like, to me, the masculine and feminine is more about being aware of which state you're pulled to be in. So like to, like in this moment right now, I feel like very much in a flow with you. I feel like really connected, but you know, I'm going to get off and I'm going to do a ride on my bike where I'm going to be my masculine. Cause I'm going to be going 70 kilometers an hour down Hills. And I don't really have time to go into my emotions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, totally. so we just, I just fluidly move into each moment. What's what I'm feeling in the moment or what people need from me for them, for me to be able to help them, like whether it's my wife or clients or something like that. Yeah. But I think what happens with people is they get really locked in on like being a certain way and they get really fixed. Like you said, there's a certain fluidity. And then most times like how we make money with our purpose is often linked to our father. Like I saw my dad, he's Japanese, crazy work ethic, not very in tune with his emotions, not very good at expressing his emotions, but really good work ethic. And I took that work ethic on and then could easily work till I burn myself out easily. So typically we take that on and then it's like we get kind of stuck in doing things a certain way where I think if we're more fluid or open, but also true to ourselves, it works out pretty well with how we make money. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And my father is Japanese also. And so exactly what you said is like- oh, I didn't know that, man. My really? father's Japanese. Well, he was born here in the States. So yeah, well, my father's born in, in Canada. So grandparents yeah. were from Japan then. Yeah. So my, my dad's side of the family's from Japan. My mom's side of the family's from Italy in the Middle East. So no I did not know that. Hoppa bros. Crazy. This <laughs> uh, over the first time. Yeah, man. So yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking so, about. And so what, that's what's, what your, was, what's your middle name? Uh, James Marlin. Oh, you yeah. did? Oh, I, you didn't I, get I didn't get the Japanese name? middle name. No, oh, no, man. no. Really? Do you have siblings? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Not a Japanese middle name though. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I got uh, Rikishi Mitsuo. Uh-huh. So, right. Yeah. My father and uh, my grandfather. That's hilarious. No, I thought for sure. Normally half is like we have uh, Japanese middle names, but yeah. That's why yeah, I not, not in this case. They gave me, my middle name is actually my father's name. And okay, then, cool. Another, and yeah. then a priest that uh, married my parents, they named me after him. Okay. So, Sorry, I, I yeah. jumped in and, and totally interrupted there for a second. No, that's okay, yeah. man. But I, I just could really relate to what you're talking about with the lessons I learned from my dad. And that was like when I was saying, when we got married and then pregnant very quickly, I just turned into my dad. <laughs> I turned into my dad for three years and really ratcheted up that masculine part of myself. And, you know, shifting the conversation quickly over to business which is, in my opinion, is traditionally very masculine, especially when we're talking about numbers. And it's given this context of masculinity, right? Like even the idea that it was such a male-dominated environment for so long and that for women to participate in business, they had to be more masculine, more manly, more decisive, et cetera. But there's a whole feminine quality to business that gets ignored. The creative part, the visionary part, the possibilities piece, the taking a step back and looking at the big picture, whereas to me, the masculine side is very, focused on a specific target or objective. So I know that a big part of what you talk about is how to bring both of those elements into your business and into your work. So I just wanted to make sure we touched on that before mm -hmm. we finish. Yeah. Yeah. When it pertains to purpose for the masculine and feminine, you definitely need a masculine edge, whether you're a man or a woman, if you're going to make money, I think personally, if you're going to make money, as far as a directionality, it is a masculine quality because it's, you're striving towards something but you have to bring your feminine with you. Like there's a ton of people that I've worked with over the years that they're way too in their masculine and they're really disconnected from their feminine because they're just in this 
go mode all the time and they're not in glow mode or they're not in flow mode. But then there's on the opposite side. I've worked with people, surprisingly, mostly men. Most of the women I've worked with over the years are better in their masculine direction than men. It's interesting. It's super interesting. And they're better at it than their partners. So usually the women are making more money than the men in their, you know, in their masculine a lot of the men I've worked with, in fact, the majority of them want to live their purpose, but they're not good in their masculine direction. They're good in their feminine. What do you think that is? What is the, what is the thread? It's usually there? trauma. Like it's usually trauma from their childhood where, you know, cause the masculine is all about risk. It's all about like when I was a kid, I mean, man, I did some dumb shit. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I would, I defy, I hate being told what to do. I defy my parents, my you know, we go on family trips and we'd be walking along these like crazy canyons on some forest. And I'd be walking along the edge where I could easily fall off and died, fell off. And, you know, I would always do these risk taking things because that's what the, that's where the masculine comes alive when there's death is present. So what I've noticed with a lot of men is they got shamed for doing that when they're growing up from mom or dad or whoever. And then they suppressed their masculine energy and then they became more feminine identified and played it safe. So then they're like just working in jobs to play it safe. Like what I did in my relationship where it was just neutral for years. It's just, everything's about playing it safe and they got to get more on their edge, take some risks. That's where they come alive. Oh man. And that, that was my story too, was I was very risk averse as a child. I think because my older brother that I watched, you know, he's my half brother, but he was 10 years ahead of me. I was witnessing the dynamic between my mom and my dad trying to raise him. And he was doing all the crazy shit. Like he was, he was doing all the crazy stuff, getting taken home by the cops, you know, kid stuff, but he was definitely giving my parents a run for their money. And so what I did was I, I internalized that and made that well, I got to be the golden child here because my parents can't handle any more. And so I, like I said, man, when, when I got arrested, I'd had, I had never had detention my whole life. I was like straight A student, honor roll, you know, all-star every sport, you know, never got into trouble anywhere. Even when I went out and started drinking when I was a kid in high school, never got caught, never got nothing. I was, I was squeaky clean. But then as I became an adult and it started, I was so risk averse that I've actually had to learn how to do that. I've had to learn how to be more on my edge and take risks and say things that people aren't going to like all the time and then be in that too, which is the masculine, which is what, again, that's that's a lot of the value I got from being in those men's teams and in men's circles was practicing that and trying it on for the first time. So it would have been a big deal when you got busted with a gun and marijuana yeah, well, it wasn't a gun. It was a knife. But. Oh, oh, sorry, it was a knife. <laughs> yeah, sorry. it was a big deal. It was a yeah, big deal. It would have been a huge yeah. deal then. Yeah, everything was perfect before. So what you're saying is is true. And I mean, that happened with me. I mean, typically what happens with men, my father, I think my father really wanted me to cultivate my masculine edge, but my mother was overmothering. So she would kind of protect me from that. And so what happens with a lot of men, and this happened to me, is we become very intuitive. So if you look at a lot of men who are, very feminine, not even, not even, I don't want to say like feminine. They just aren't living their fucking purpose. Like they aren't, there's just a lot of stuff that's stopping them from doing that. Typically, not always, but typically this is what happened to me. They developed their intuition at a young age to protect themselves from pain from their father. It could have been physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, whatever, but they, they become really intuitive and more in tune with their energy and emotion rather than their masculine directionality to protect themselves from getting hurt emotionally. And then they learned, I learned to navigate. That's why intuition is so strong. I learned to cultivate my intuition when I was like five years old. And then you learn to be that, but you kind of become like, like I call them Bali boys, like just flow boy, no commitment. Like, you know what I mean? And then you have to learn, like I had to learn how to train myself to be in my masculine because I had always been shamed to be there and how to do it in an embodied way where I'm still connected with my emotions and my feminine and not just bulldozing my emotions. That was a, that's taken me years, years to do. Yeah. And I, th I think for all the men out there, cause we talked about a lot of different experiences that men might have because of going all the way back to childhood, regardless of what the circumstances were and where you found yourself, the common thread, the, the common denominator is that we all need to identify that purpose, that which is going to call us forward and wake us up every day that's going to drive us. And you said you're in a course with David Data right now. I read that book for the first time when I was 21 and I stopped at chapter 11 because he said, you have to make your purpose and your mission in life more important than anything, even your romantic, intimate partner and your family. And I was like, no, dude, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I, that goes against everything I ever thought. And then I came back to it and now I understand what he means because without that, the absence of that, 
we're constantly looking for something to fill the void. And if, if we don't have something there, that's, that's why men are leading far and wide and depression and suicide and all these things. Cause without that peace, we don't know what to do mm-hmm. and where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can become such a better husband or father from having that purpose, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible work. Deep work, dude. Yeah. Big stuff, man. Well, we could probably go on for a while, but I think it's a good place to put a bookmark in, at least for today. We'll come back down the road at some point. I do have a couple of lightning round questions I want okay. to ask you before we wrap All right. up here. Bring them on, man. <laughs> All right. So what is one thing that you wish you learned when you were 18 years old? How to talk to women. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, man. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity. Integrity. Awesome. Last but not least, where should people go to follow you, find you, work with you? Yeah. I mean, you go to my website, ryanucomi.com or Instagram is good too. I'm over on Instagram quite a bit with you as well. So Instagram is a good spot for everyone to connect with me. You can just send me a DM or connect with me, but if you follow me, then I'll follow you back. I'd I'd love to see uh, what everyone's doing as well. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, dude, I love what you brought here today. I'm looking forward to dropping in again and sitting in the guest seat on your podcast. Yeah, man, I can't wait to have you. Yeah. Well, we could really almost like do part two off this. So It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll we'll pick up right where we left off. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything that you brought and best wishes to you and your wife and your little one on this journey, man. It's, uh, you you look really well rested for having a two and a half month old. So you guys are doing (laughs) something right. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. You caught me on the week where I don't have anything to do. So it's been like four four days of rest. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for having me. And thank you. I mean, for all the work you do brother and just of course, blessings to your family and to everyone and your work so powerful. So thank you for having me on as a guest. It's much appreciated. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. There you have it, fam. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Another powerful transmission from my bro, Ryan. Make sure you guys go follow him and everything that he's doing and check me out. I'm going to be on the Soul Wealth Podcast with him later this month so you can hear another opportunity for us to drop into some conversations. I know we're going to be talking about rites of passage and leadership and men's circles and all the things. I'm sure we'll be talking about fatherhood and relationships too, covering as much as we can in a short amount of time. But definitely go give my bro Ryan a follow because he's doing some really powerful work. He's been in it for a while. He's, it's clear that he's embodied in the things that he teaches and the wisdom that he transmits. So make sure you go follow him and get some more access to that wisdom that he's dropping on the regular. And if you guys didn't hear that call in the introduction, make sure you come check us out for Compass. Uh, our whole mission is to initiate a generation of men, and that includes you. Wherever you are out in the world right now, check us out. See how you can become a part of the next Compass journey that'll be starting up in the springtime. By the time you listen to this recording, we may already be halfway full. So if you feel the call, I encourage you to act now. And don't wait, don't hesitate. Check out the website for notes and links and resources to each and every episode at risingman.org. Subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. And please go follow us on Instagram at Rising Man Movement, as well as subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big shout outs to my power team, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, and Mark, and everybody else out there, whatever corner of the world you're listening in from, whatever place it is that you rest your head, where you reside, where you are building community in your own way, sending my thoughts and my heart to you. Until next time. Rise up and claim your destiny.